Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Rankin Review. This week we get around to found footage, a new and fairly unique perspective on horror. I've got a good friend of mine, Darren Francis, here to discuss six films with forced perspective. As usual, you can expect spoilers for the six films discussed, as well as possible course language. But we're all grown-ups here. Thank you for listening to Rankin Review. This is your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons. You can support the show by seeking us out on Facebook, supporting us on iTunes by giving us a positive review, and telling your friends. I hope you enjoy episode 25 of Rankin Review, found footage. Just a quick introduction here. <coughs> so... This is Jaron Francis. Um, my, my first real memory that I have of you, I know I met you a lot more times, but uh, I was doing a play with your brother at the university and you came in and filmed it. Was and it I, The Happy Thief? Yeah, it was The Happy Thief. Yeah. And I remember you just sort of running around the place, moving the camera. And just... I don't even remember that. Yeah, no, I, no. I must have been on a VHS camera. It was old. It was, it was a long time. It was way back. It was in the way back machine. Holy shit. Do you still have the, the recording Somewhere I do, yeah. I I'd do. love to see it. <laughs> it's on VHS, so yeah. <laughs> I do still have a player in a box somewhere. I have a VHS player that works in this very garage and walls of tapes. <laughs> um, oh, wow, yeah. So, Man, uh, I don't remember that at all. I remember the play, but I don't remember the recording yet. That's I'm, weird. Are you I'm sure pretty, it was me? I'm pretty sure it was you. Um, yeah. Unless this is some ghost phantom that I'm... No, that, that would have been you. the kind of thing that I would have got really excited about yeah. back then. So. And I remember you. You're just being very energetic and running around the place. And I'd met you a few times, but that was sort of the first time I kind of got a good pass. At I moved there. the camera, like, during the run? Uh, well, we I just, wanted to add some between, dynamism. Yeah, <laughs> between scenes, I think, a few times, I remember you making some adjustments. And that's fine. Cool. We're all yeah, man, I'd go. love to see that. Dig it up. <laughs> Dig it up. Um, so this is the 25th episode of Rankin Review. Holy here, shit. Participating in, and we're going to do found footage, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, a relatively new genre. I think it's probably uh, a, a new genre that belongs to our generation in a lot of ways. I mean, there were movies before this, like... Uh, Peeping Tom or, or Cannibal Holocaust, like it had happened before, but not... Those were what people would refer to as found footage? Possibly, in that in that uh, the, the, the Peeping Tom, the killer, is filming his victims as he's going to kill them, and we get his point of view. What he films is what we see. And in uh, 
of course, Cannibal Holocaust. This is a found real I like that footage. you said, of course. And of, of course, course in in Cannibal Holocaust. Everybody's seen Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. We can make this assumption. But, but these are two, you know, like older films, the one from the 60s, <clears throat> one from the 70s. But there hasn't been a lot of found footage until post-Blair Witch. Were those two both strictly POV? Like in Peeping Tom, were there other sequences they in the both, film that weren't POV? Yeah. Peeping Tom, for sure, there were scenes that weren't. So uh, then it, it doesn't sort of, adhere... It, it was really it was used within footage. the film in the way that movies like nowadays like Sinister sort of have scenes within it that are, yeah. are found footage, uh, but that that sort of technique was used. Yeah, or but, even uh, Halloween used POV. Yeah, the killer's but perspective, Black Christmas as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in Peeping Tom, the conceit was that he was a photographer and that mm-hmm. he was actually filming it. So that was you know important. Anyway, um, after the Blair Witch Project, this tiny micro-budget movie made a good billion dollars, and people were playing Blair Witch video games and having Blair Witch tattoos. There were three video games <laughs> yes, when I was reading was. about the movie. Yeah. I don't remember um, any of them. Yeah. Mm. Like, you would walk through these scary landscapes, and it was more the production and the boo things that actually made the game fun than the actual gameplay, which was pretty typical. Mm-hmm. PC, whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, found footage is really popular nowadays. I think partly because you can do it very cheaply, a lot of people making quick independent horror movies want to do it as quickly as they can mm-hmm. and cheaply as they can. Having one camera force perspective can be helpful in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you can make a really good low-budget found footage movie. It has been done. But I think it is uh, it is really interesting when they actually plan it out, when they have a budget and special effects and still stick to the format. I'm thinking of movies like Cloverfield yeah. uh, or, or the Wreck series where they have obviously very richly orchestrated sequences, but we're that are just still, capitalizing yeah, on the way it's shot. Rather we're just than... nailed down to that forced perspective, but you can imagine that a, a Michael Bay movie is going around, uh, 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 going on around it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your opinion of found footage as a rule? Do you are you for or again? I'm always, uh, yeah, no, I'm for it. <laughs> just in that, uh, in that, uh, I, I I think the device can yield really interesting results. I think it, it it risks becoming gimmicky really easily in a way that other devices don't. Yeah. Um, so that's why there's probably a ton of shitty found footage horror movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm 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 always interested. That's why I picked this category, yeah. right? Because I'm always interested to see if they work. Yeah. But I didn't know if you picked it because you were into it or if you wanted if you had an axe to grind. <laughs> uh, I was, no, no, no. It's partly because I'm into it and partly because I knew I'd only have time to watch a couple movies and yeah. I'd seen half of them already. So. Well. Uh, things like Paranormal Activity and the Blair Witch Project seem to be very polarizing. Mm-hmm. People seem to really like them or really hate them. Like the, the... They're both horror movies, that's why. Because people have a really particular ideas about what what's scary. Yeah. Uh, if you can get into the template of like the experiential thing of it, is this is something that is really happening, mm-hmm. and that's what they're going for, it can really work for you. But if you don't buy it, if you don't believe the people in it, yeah. uh, you can't. And there's a weird thing that I've noticed, and we'll, we'll probably call it on more than a few of these. In found footage, they really take advantage of the, as I call it, the Cooper character. There's always a group inner conflict. Cooper, like from, uh, from Night, Night of the, the Living, Living Dead. Dead. A character okay. who is counterproductive at every turn that is constantly yelling or screaming mm-hmm. or making the situation worse, aggravating it. Especially in these low-budget movies, they, it's a good way to sort of create tension out of, out of nothing, right? Yeah. But... Uh, this is a familiar character in a lot of horror movies, but I notice in the found footage specifically, 
They're, really? They show up a lot. A lot. You'll have to point a out as we go lot. through here, like, which, who's the Cooper in each film. <laughs> I shall. I'll probably know a couple of them. But. Um, the six movies that we are going to discuss, uh, we were going to do The Blair Witch Project, which is, I think it's the granddaddy of them all, really. Like I said... Some, I'd never heard of those other two yeah, you mentioned. There are other films there. with that conceit in it before this, but definitely Blair Witch, you know, popularized it. And I don't think that the creators of the Blair Witch were doing it as an homage to the cannibal holocaust, you know. <laughs> no, they were doing it out of necessity, I'm yeah, sure, exactly. which is probably why it worked so well. Uh, so yes, the Blair Witch Project from 1999, I want to say. That was that amazing yes. year of, of movies, generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an Australian film, probably one of the more obscure titles of the list, called The Tunnel. Also the most banal cover of all of them. <laughs> yes. Women screaming in the dark. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a hand coming out of the grave. Yeah, I guess never it's seen scary, this before. Seen Let's it. rent this movie. Um, Canadian-made, American-produced uh, haunted house film called Grave Encounters. I remember describing this to you. It, it really looks like it was directed by the goth kids from South Park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was the one I was looking forward to most. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to hear what you had to say about mm-hmm. it. Uh, probably the most difficult uh, technically to pull off of the found footage and probably the most ambitious in that regard is the troll hunter. <laughs> I think it was the one probably that relies the most on uh, things that only money could do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But they still stick pretty strictly to the the found footage. There wasn't too much of that. Why are they still rolling? And mm-hmm. sometimes you have to let go of that. Sometimes you have to say they're still rolling because if they weren't, the movie would be over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, the Last Exorcism, a surprise horror hit from a few years ago, um, uh, dealing with possession, of course, mm-hmm. and the uber-popular Paranormal Activity, which is now going on, I think it has five films now, and there's a sixth on the way. Is there a sixth? Yeah. I know there's been four and a spin-off. Yeah. The I marked the ones was the most October. recent. I haven't actually seen that yet. I've only there seen is the another first one three. Coming. Um, well, uh, this There's is the one that movie, started. Though, isn't there? On route, I believe. On route, the internet will have your answers for you. Uh, so, without further ado, shall we jump into found footage? Then? Let's do it. And I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. I am so, so sorry because it is my fault. Because it was my project. <laughs> the search of the three missing Montgomery College students continues in Frederick County tonight. Ten days and thousands of man hours have been unable to produce any clues. We have a few leads. So the Blair Witch Project, uh, written, directed, and edited by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Starring Heather Donahue, Michael Williams, and Joshua Leonard, who are all actually named Heather, Michael, and Josh in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a high concept but micro budget horror movie. Um, and I have a very unique experience of it, and it actually kind of involves your brother. Cause we, so does mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we all have uh, this memory uh, when we were in university. But I'm sure is shared by thousands of other people around I'm our same age group. I'm expecting it's going to be yeah. the same as mine. Ah, uh, someone hands us this VHS tape that was ripped <laughs> off the internet of this film called The Blair Witch Project, and they're pretty sure it's bullshit. But the rumor is that it's based on a true thing, 
And uh, subsequent to hearing about the tape, the special comes out on, I think, the Space Network here, Sci-Fi in the, in the States, <laughs> which is this faux documentary about the history of the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. So they're doing some sort of myth-building before the movie has even, you know, uh, been released. Which was genius and hadn't happened, to Brilliant. my knowledge, before then. And I remember watching this pixelated crappy version of the film on the VHS. Cursor. The and computer cursor, cursor was present in the image Correct, the in the movie. top corner. And it's actually a slightly longer version of what ended up uh, being the uh, oh, really? Blair Witch Project. Hmm. There's a few scenes that are a little different, a little bit shorter. Hmm. Um, and uh, it was the middle of the afternoon, and I watched it with, I believe, my friend Lee Beckman and your brother, Paxton Francis. And we were sort of joking about it and making fun of it, but the level of energy in the room was enough to tell me that the movie got under our nerves. Like, mm-hmm. it it worked on us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was this conceit. It was the found footage conceit. We were like those kids. They were the same age as us. And they got themselves in a bad place. And they were smart and should have been able to get out of it. And uh, it didn't play out well. Uh, what did you think of the Blair Witch Project? <laughs> well, I'm, I want to ask you, do you think, the re- when you say it worked for you, were you scared while watching it? I, I, I actually did. Uh, I, that very first experience of it, like... Uh, the screaming and the unsettlingness of it, like it got to me. And I kind of got excited about the movie. And then I watched it again, and then it sort of started to wear on me more. I think that I participated in this movie creeping me out, is what I'm saying. Like, I wanted this movie to creep you me out. You wanted it to work. Yeah, and, and and it did. And I think you do have to meet a lot of these found footage movies halfway. Mm-hmm. You have to engage with it. This isn't something it you want to It certainly helps passively. you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you've got your head in your phone while you're watching it, it's it's not going to work. <laughs> How much of it working do you think had to do with the way, like you saying, you were, you were handed this VHS tape and someone was like, "I think this is real." I think that really helped, and I really think that really helped the the marketing leading up to the release of the film, which I believe was like a ne- the next year, the following summer, it came out in yeah. theaters. And uh, I was overselling it to all my friends. And, of course, like I said, it had that 50-50 reaction. Some people really got into it, and some people found the shaky camera just nauseating. Mm -hmm. Just to do brief service to the plot, I'm sure everybody listening probably has heard of The Blair Witch Project, but a bunch of students who are studying film uh, decide they're going to do a documentary project on a local legend... Um, like a weekend shoot where yeah, they're just they drive the out woods. to Burkittsville and explore their local legend of the Blair Witch uh, they end up getting lost in the woods and uh, they keep rolling film because they have nothing to do but sort of film their descent um, a lot of things that I really respect about the movie is that uh, the actors didn't know what they were going, going to happen from scene to scene mm-hmm. so when the hands started petting the side of the tents they didn't know that that was going to happen. They knew something was going to happen. They yeah. didn't know that. When they heard noises out in the dark and they were out looking to see where it was, they didn't know what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. When they encountered the Blair Witch things hanging in the trees, they didn't know they were going to find that. Mm-hmm. They were seeing and reacting to these things for the first time. And I think that helped Russ. Or when one of the actors disappears in the middle of the night. Correct. They He's pulled from the movie. They didn't know if they were supposed to go find him. Will or... he show up again? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that really, that sort of sense of they don't know what the fuck is happening translated mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm still not getting a vibe of where you are in the film. I'm a fan. Uh, I think, I, I really enjoyed it because I saw it the exact same way. I watched it in like late afternoon with the blinds pulled. Yeah. It wasn't the perfect uh, atmosphere to watch a horror movie in, but the fact that I didn't know, I mean, my gut told me it was not yeah. real because, 
that's where your mind always Why goes. would you be watching this if this was real? How, yeah. would, how would this have come to be in your hands? But the fact that it was in 1999 when the internet was not what it is today by any stretch. No. And, uh, and I'd never heard of it before went a long way to me being able to buy into it. Like you're, you were saying, you, you have to meet actively meet halfway. Yeah. That battle was accomplished just by the way I was watching it, I thought. And uh, yeah, and it creeped me out. I mean, there's, I think most of the complaints about the movie that are, were leveled came because it, most people saw it in the theater the next yeah. summer or October, whenever it was released. Yeah. And it's just not meant to be seen that way. It is actually a preferably a home viewing experience. And I'm going to say that about a lot of these movies, to mm-hmm. be honest. I think that a lot of the found footage movies work better in a, in a home viewing experience than in a theater. And that's not something I will say about a lot of movies. But there's something intimate about these. Yeah, and well, and I mean, not knowing, not having heard of it and just having somebody hand it to you and that's your discovery of the film, rather yeah. than seeing trailers and seeing all these quotes about terrifying... Yeah will shock, an ending that will shock you, you know, that kind of thing. It's built up too much now. It's built up too much, and also your expectation is this is a film much like films I've seen, Mm -hmm. you know, just because of the way it's marketed. But having no prior experience to it and just watching it alone in my basement with nobody around to, like, bounce remarks off of and that kind of thing, and just my fear and unsettlement, (laughs) like, growing and growing, that was the perfect way to consume it, I think. Yeah. So, uh, I... I think the first time I saw it, I had the same kind of reaction that most people do of the ending, which is like, that's it? Right. And then as I digested it, I realized that there couldn't have been a more perfect ending. Yeah. Um, the, the only reason it left me that way the first time I saw it was because I'd never seen such an abrupt ending to a film before. It's the only movie that adheres 100% to the central found footage conceit that I can think of and still... Um, probably because it's the first time I saw a movie like that, doesn't come off like it's copying something. Right. Like other movies do that end abruptly because they're found footage and there wouldn't be a nice resolution. Yeah. But they feel like they're just trying to copy Blair Witch now. Yeah. So it kind of invalidates it somehow. I don't know. It's sort of like making a shark movie post Jaws, you know, or uh, an alien movie. Yeah, no matter alien, how good it is. You're or going how to be emulating it, it in some way. It's yeah. just Even if you've happen. never seen Jaws as a filmmaker, it's people gonna are going to perceive it as emulation. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you have to recognize that it's come before and that that mm-hmm. comparison will be made. Yeah. I'm not unsympathetic towards people who have problems with the movie. Um, people who saw it in the theater, especially the shaky camera was just nauseating to some people. They just mm-hmm. can't take it in. Yep. There are certain people who just don't like that type of filmmaking, and that's not going to work for me. But what I do take issue is people who say that it's amateurish and, 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 and you know, dismiss it as that. Yeah. The imagination that went into this movie is epic. The history of the Blair Witch and all of the stuff around the movie... Mm-hmm. is really well drawn out and imagined. It's one of the reasons that the sequel to this movie pissed me off so much. It, it We did an episode a while back called Terrible Twos, and Blair Witch 2 was really the one of the reasons I wanted to do mm-hmm. that episode, because not only was it a bad movie, but it undid so much that was great about Blair Witch. It wasn't really a sequel either, in the sense that it did not the feel like the same. The first thing they said at the beginning of Blair Witch 2 was that the Blair Witch didn't happen. Mm. And the Blair Witch took such pains to establish itself as a real history and, mm-hmm. and sink into the into the sort of world consciousness in that way to yeah. just dismiss it with the next movie. So ugh, it was very frustrating. Well, good job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I'm, like I say, obviously a big fan of the movie and I also will defend the actors in it. Um, 
they didn't have a script as such to do with, so this is a lot of improvisation. Mm -hmm. So you do have a lot of conflicts, and a lot of conflicts that seem counterproductive. One of the characters, who I'm sure was directed to do something really bad for the group by destroying their only map, mm -hmm. not that the map was of any use to them, um, basically creates further conflict and insanity in a movie that's already overloaded. Who is it who destroys the map? Doesn't um, Heather just lose the map? No, uh, it, the... Michael, the the new guy in the group, not not Josh with the long hair. Michael's sort of the guy who was running uh, the sound. Mm -hmm. um, he kicks it into the river, and he doesn't. Oh admit, yeah, that's right. He, he doesn't admit laughing. it until later on when yeah, he finally. They like, think Heather lost it. And yeah, they're all he blaming says, Heather. I kicked that shit he, in the river. He allows them to blame Heather for a long time, and then he finally admits it. And again, everybody stops worried about being lost and stops worrying about the supernatural events. And just starts fucking screaming at each other. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I can understand that being shrill and sort of off-putting to people. But in the way, situationally, if you're lost in the woods and being stalked by a supernatural being in the woods, maybe the distraction of calling bullshit on your friend would be a welcome one. Well, also something that you can do something about. Exactly. Like, they're also helpless at that point, right? If mm -hmm. I recall. And there's there's something that they can't solve it, but something they can attack, something that isn't just some nebulous like non-entity that they can't put hands to. Um, so, like I say, I understand why people dismiss the movie, yeah. but I disagree vehemently. And um, to be further snobby about found footage in general, but especially when it comes to the Blair Witch Project, I think that it's sort of a reflection in a lot of ways. If it's not just the shaky footage that gets to you about this movie of the level of imagination you're willing to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. If you expect the movie to do all of the work for you, if you need to be spoon-fed to be scared, mm -hmm. Blair Witch probably won't work for you. Mm -hmm. Or if you need to see something to be scared, because yeah. that's the other thing, that's a huge divide, is some people are more terrified of what they don't, what they aren't shown. Yeah. Uh, and I think that speaks to the level of imagination, like you said, that they are bringing to it. If they've already got all kinds of creepy images floating around their brain, they don't yeah. need to see anything to already have them there, right? Use the viewer against themselves. And that's what I think the brilliant twist of Blair Witch is. And that's why I think it deserves its reputation. Mm -hmm. um, for people who love the horror genre, for people who like to be scared, this movie will really, I think, fire the engine. But mm -hmm. for people who are not willing to do that, who are, are sort of already at arm's length from the movie... yeah. I don't know if I can help you. Or want something that they're... Like, some people... Uh, some people sort of mix up scared with grossed out. Mm -hmm. You know, that's pretty common. Or their view of horror is something that um, attacks you more viscerally, I guess. Usually through gore or something like that. Um, or a combination of gore and scares. And this movie doesn't really even tap into that side of horror. Mm. If I recall, like, I don't remember ever being grossed out. The scene where they find the severed body, or is it a finger they find, or is it, like, um, guts or something? The great debate. Um, I believe it is a, a tongue and some teeth that is mm. wrapped in that satchel of wood that she finds outside her tent. But again, it's so amateurishly, quote-unquote, filmed. Yeah. Because the people who are filming this are not professional filmmakers. They're terrified kids lost in the wood. Yeah. And their filmmaking reflects that. And I have the same feeling people who don't like the movie, if it was all crisply shot, would be bitching the other direction. That yeah. if you're panicking and scared in the woods, how come the camera's so perfectly composed, right? Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be. It's also... <laughs> Uh, 15 years old at this point yeah you know like I remember watching it on VHS feeling like it made perfect sense that it was the quality it was yeah um, uh, but, but yeah the, like the bloody parts she finds 
why why would she hold on it once she knows what it is yeah you know of course she's gonna recoil she's not gonna like get in for a close-up once she well, thinks that's somebody's think heather's thing is trying to maintain this faux professionalism mm. <laughs> as much as possible is to try and keep herself together mm-hmm. um so as long as she's making the movie and this is a conceit that will again echo in other found footage movies where there you actually get the 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 scene that happens again and again. Why are you filming me? Put down the fucking camera. Mm-hmm. And maybe the first two times I saw that, I thought it was a knowing wink, but I get tired of it. You know, <laughs> it's a, you know, we're either gonna go with this movie or not. If you're a found footage movie, just assume we're gonna go with it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I feel pretty much exactly the same way you do. I understand why it people are so divided on it, right. um, but I don't feel like the criticisms are valid. I guess I come out on the side of people who are willing to make the commitment so that it is scary for me. Yeah. My imagination is such that it works for me. Uh, the movie doesn't doesn't uh, rely on things that I would, wouldn't would find scary anyway. So it was tailor-made for me and my sensibilities yeah. as a film goer. And people who want something louder and more in-your-face and, and that's, There's you know, like you said, spoon-feeding, yeah. then they're just never going to enjoy a movie like that, regardless of whether they watch it cold without, you know watch it in their basement thinking it's real yeah. it's still not going to work for them because they'll they'll almost want to write it off because it's not providing what they need I'm a little sad that the actors kind of didn't go on to do other things I kind of at the well, time well Heather who won a bunch of awards it's just most of them were like shittiest actress to awards <laughs> the Razzie like system yeah the I golden raspberry I, I honestly don't think she sucked I think she came unglued and I think she was fairly authentic to what people really look like when they come unglued I think people yeah I think People, she got a bad rap from some people for the same reason that um, people didn't think it was scary. Right. They weren't convinced by by the scares in the film because it's not what they wanted. Yeah. They weren't convinced by her performance because it didn't adhere to their ideas of what yeah. a human's behavior would be like in that situation. Um, but, but, I've never been in that kind of a situation, so who knows, but it read pretty true to me because... They the cast deserves a lot of credit because they are a real huge creative component of this movie. They filmed it and they provided the dialogue. You know, like this was an mm-hmm. improv film. The concept was there. The creation of the witch and the legend was all the creators of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cast have should deserve all, as much props as the directors in a lot of ways for their contribution to the film. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of hoped that this would be the beginning of a long career in genre or otherwise for them. And uh, I Joshua been... Leonard's been in some other stuff. Yeah. I Even haven't lately. really seen them a lot. But... I haven't heard of the Michael, what's his, Michael, what's his last name? Michael was... C. something. Mm-hmm. Michael Williams, Joshua Michael Williams. Leonard, and Heather Donahue. And Heather Donahue was in some other stuff too. But Yeah, she, she did a couple of rom-coms I seem to remember, but like, yeah. yeah, she's not a regular name... Uh, Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez seem to have somewhat quit, split creatively. They've both done their own independent, low-budget horror movies to varying degrees of success. I think they've made decent movies, both of them independently, but neither of them have come up with anything, I think, near as sort of potent as the Blair Witch Do project. either of them really have to work anymore? Like, is, Probably not. Because the they film was initially genre, sold clearly. for a million-something. Um, but I would think that there must have been some kind of clause, because the movie made, like... 
two hundred million dollars or something. Amount of money. Yeah. So I think I don't know. I, I I guess I just don't want to think that after it made that much money, they didn't get anything yeah. more. Um, I'm sure they got well paid, and I'm like I'm sure for Blair Witch Two and the video games, they mm-hmm. signed off their rights to the Blair Witch and said go crazy. Yeah. Um, there was talk and and the rumors that there still is that they may come back to do a prequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the history of the Blair Witch yeah. type of movie. They've been pitching a third one for years. But, um, but the next thing up for Sanchez, I believe, uh, is a, another found footage movie about Bigfoot, coincidentally. I believe that's coming out later. Do you think they just can't get anything made besides found footage stuff? Uh, they have done other things that aren't found footage, but I think you put from the creators of Blair Witch Project on something, you, yeah. you know, you can help sell it. So, um, yeah. So for me, thumbs up for this one. Agreed. Whenever something's not spoken about, I've got to ask why. That's my job as a journalist. The plan from the start was when we got to the tunnels was to get to the lake, because that's where the story was. Okay, through here, through there. Yeah. Yep. It's a bit tight down there, Tubby. You reckon you're gonna make it? Directly below one of Sydney's busiest train stations is the forgotten water resource that's causing all the controversy. If it was true that homeless were going missing, this was a big story. And this is something that we could now prove. Bell out, Moss. This is one of these low-budget horror movies that relies very heavily on its location. Mm-hmm. And it happens to have, I think, a really fucking creepy location. This vast sort of underwater series of tunnels and aqueducts that were to double as a possible water supply, bomb shelter, all-purpose disaster. And it's like a vast lake that exists underneath Sydney and it's mm-hmm. a real place. And just learning about that, I found kind of weird and cool and interesting. Um, and the approach taken in this film is a little bit different in that we know right off the bat from the opening of this movie, which characters survive and which characters don't because the characters you don't that, know for sure. Well, you know that the two characters are being interviewed, and we're cutting back to those two. So those two people are definitely going to survive. Yeah. And uh, you know that someone has died. <laughs> well, you, you think so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, they, they kind of... They establish at the beginning with the 911 phone call that yeah. he's dying, he's yeah. dying. Um, and, uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I thought that was an interesting conceit, because part of the dread of the found footage is that there's an inevitability to it. If it's a found piece of film and we don't know what happened to these people, yeah. presumably the ending is bad. In this case, that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. We know that they have an ordeal <laughs> and we hear them describing the ordeal as we see it. It's almost, again, like one of these History Channel faux documentaries. Mm-hmm. I always talk about how if I can't make it as an actor, I can make it as a reenactor. Because <laughs> all of the reenactors that they use in these things, some of them come off as really bad to me. You know, yeah. They just need some guy to sit in a chair and wear, wear a yeah. top hat. That guy was walking by. Get in here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, this sort of type of format, but less cheesy. And I do think there are some really effective scenes. Mm-hmm. And considering it's made by relatively new filmmakers with a relatively new cast mm-hmm. i again walked away fairly impressed with the tunnel um but i'm completely willing to hear a second opinion so what uh, did i you thought think there was a lot that worked about the movie um the approach being a little different was what you know piqued my interest right off the bat being like you said knowing mm-hmm. at least that these two characters survived yeah. i didn't immediately assume that the people who weren't being interviewed uh had died in the ordeal because they 
they established pretty quick that um, the anchor woman or the woman in charge, the, the Heather Donahue of this movie, I can't yes. remember her character's name, um, uh, there was a reason for people to not like her or mistrust her or she had done something wrong that conflicted with her pr- producer. Yes. So maybe he just didn't want to be interviewed. That kind of, Like, that was the assumption I made. Um, but the, the strengths of the movie were pretty clear early on. Um, the actors are really convincing. Like, the the cameraman in particular. Awesome. He's 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 definitely the high point of the film. Yeah. Like, there there's not a false moment in his testimony that he gives. The, you really get that he doesn't like her. And her name is Natasha, the, uh, or the character's name. Um, the actress would be Belle Delia. And uh, Andy Rotaruda and Steve Davis are the uh, Steve Davis must be uh, the, actors in there. the other dude that I'm not familiar with them beyond this movie. I yeah, don't know if which definitely helped and in the I, same way that no familiarity with the three. If Bruce from Willis was playing one of the parts, I would be less scared for that character. Oh, I wouldn't it's have just, been at all. Yeah, you, know? you know, so yeah, that guy was utterly convincing. The Natasha, not quite Depends so much. On the scene. You just you can tell she's acting a little bit. I I don't know how else. To she put had it. a troublesome character because she is directly responsible for putting everybody not just in harm's way but getting them lost mm-hmm. in a situation where nobody knew where they were. Mm-hmm. They went someplace without permission. They they weren't supposed to be and get hopelessly lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody knows where they are. Like, and it's and all her that's fault. All on her. Mm-hmm. That's all on her. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't. You know, she she doesn't own it at all. In not really. She's kind of defiant about it throughout it. And uh, that's why she's not liked. In the subsequent interviews, you get the vibe that this guy really doesn't like her. <laughs> I also got the impression watching her that the actress was concerned with creating some sense of dread. I'm in a horror movie. I have to act in a way that helps that in some regard. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the cameraman that they interview... He's just responding perfectly naturally to the kind of questions that they must be asking. Yeah. It has nothing to do with um, creating a tone that's indicative of a horror movie for him, um, which is maybe why I f- felt like that format, the interview format, the documentary format, was a bit of a double-edged sword because yeah. as much as it it rendered the movie maybe more believable for me or easier to, to go along with in some regards, it also extracted some of the scariness it gave them the opportunity at every turn at every corner to tell instead of show yeah and in that format that's what you would do right yeah um instead of you know just holding the camera and letting us get creeped out for this you know two minute prolonged creep through the dark especially in such a such an amazing location mm-hmm. like the whoever the filmmaker was must have just read about this and been like what Why that exists made i gotta go see it <laughs> yeah and then once he or she is it a guy who made the movie that's what's his name he he knew instantly that that was going to be what was going to sell the creepiness of it, yeah. right? It was just like hanging out in this space. I wonder if maybe once, like in post, there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, interview stuff that was rewritten or extra stuff that was written awesome. to fill out the movie because it's definitely the weakest point, and it feels like it maybe is only there as much as it's only as present as it is as connective tissue, right? Um, well, I definitely feel like they shot the tunnel footage first and then the interview footage after. They mm-hmm. were obviously referring to the footage during the interviews. Mm-hmm. So, like, that makes the most sense. 
Which would be, yeah. that would make the most sense to film it, if, as long as their production schedule allowed for it. That but would be the best is, way. There are sort of turning points in the movie where they kind of lean back on the documentary approach, and all of a sudden it becomes sort of lost in the dark for a little while. And then all of a sudden when you get peeled back into the, quote, real world of the documentary, it's almost a little bit dark. Oh, yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. those beats really work. I think the big turning point in the movie is obviously the bell room scene. Yeah, when Tangles disappears. Tangles goes missing. Um, then there's... That whole moment where they chase after Tangles and it goes on and on. It was kind of, it was like the segment in Blair Witch where they're just yelling, yelling Josh, Josh over and over. Yeah. But for some reason, I believed it a lot more in the tunnel. Yeah. I don't know why. Because uh, it's... It's what you would do. I don't know, I guess. I don't know. I mean, or maybe it was just like do? the way their voices sounded or something, but... I thought it was a really well set up scene. He's the sound guy. She wants to ring this bell that they would, you know, summon the people down to the bomb shelters or mm-hmm. let them know that there's bad news coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and she hits it, and of course, all the levels go through the roof on the sound equipment. So he lays out some cord and gives himself some distance from everybody else. Mm-hmm. They ring the bell again, and all of a sudden his cords get dragged snapped, out yeah. of the, the, the scene, and he is just sucked into the darkness and never to be seen or heard from again yeah and it's a really shocking you know moment and then it becomes we got to find tangles and then it becomes we're lost yeah and and uh, and the conflict of some of them feel like we can find tangles and other people feel like there's no way we're gonna find tangles if we can get ourselves out of here we're gonna have to call that a win today yeah yeah and getting you there, making you feel with them is good. And in a way, a little bit of air is let out. Like I say, when we cut back to the interviews. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they're okay. We're back. They're, they're doing the interviews. So like, I agree with the double-edged sword thing. I like that they tried it, though, because it is different than any... I think that if it was just them in the tunnels, the, the Blair Witch parallels would be almost too... Overpowering. Overpowering, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. Because in that conceit, yeah, they would it would be found footage. We would assume probably that everybody died and we found this footage. And, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, it's just a shame that I felt like the strongest part of the movie was that one, the cameraman's interviews. Right. Because they're not really scary at all. They're convincing. They're utterly convincing. Oh, I would hire that guy to work on my movie. For totally, sure. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, none of his recounting of what happened to Tangles or I'll never I'll, I'll never forgive myself for letting my protege die. Doesn't kind of add anything necessarily. Obviously that's how he feels. He's the most driven of the group to find him. They're, yeah. they're, they're clearly, you know, buds. Yeah. Uh, and you get that. And yeah. you get the resentment that feels. And I do think it's interesting having commentary uh, in a way. It's like we have a commentary track to this horror movie that mm-hmm. we're watching, which is kind of an interesting thing. I also didn't know. Part of me was wondering, because again, I had no... You know, the only reason I watched this is because you gave it to me. I right. had no concept of what I might see. I kept, I found myself wondering early in the movie if, um, at some point the movie was going to jump in time periods and there was going to be like a return to the same area to try to find Tangles or something like that. Right. Like after they ha- had recorded the documentary, they would go back so, as a way to cheat around, like knowing who's going to die or not, that kind of thing. Uh, I can understand why they didn't but introducing that part way through the film i think might have been useful in the sense that they could have kind of had the best of both worlds they wouldn't have been stuck on constantly returning to these people being interviewed well apparently a lot of the same creative people have pooled their resources to do a sequel 
and that that has happened. I don't know if it's how directly tied to this the is. search for Tangles. If it is the quest for Tangles. <laughs> oh, man. I'd watch that movie. Yeah. Even if it was the tunnel to the quest for Tangles. But I am going to watch that sequel because I yeah. did like this movie enough that I do think it warrants it. And another interesting thing, just to put it out there, for the world of low-budget film, um, they did this on a... a a per frame rig. I can't remember what the promotion was, but they basically sold the film a frame at a time for like, I don't know, a dollar a frame. It was sort of the way they uh, uh, raised money for the film. So mm. everybody that contributed, I guess, got a, their own little personal frame of this tunnel movie and mm. they helped build it a frame at a time. Uh, so this is a group of friends who raised money and made, this is a handmade horror movie. And, uh, gives it a special place in my heart for me because uh, I'm all about that. You're all about doing that? <laughs> we didn't talk yet about either the... Like, what do you think's the biggest scare in the movie? Because the moment where Tangles goes shoot out the... You know, I really do love that bell room sequence. Um, but the sequence where... Uh, where they encounter the creature and they find the finger finally gets put on. This is a creature film. This is a monster movie. Yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. which comes re- pretty late in the movie. Mm-hmm. I found like I, I that's a good thing. I was I was pleasantly surprised by that. What which of those two? Because those are really the only two huge scares in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of there's suspense, other really suspenseful and ten, yeah. tense scenes. But and it's then running the, and screaming in the dark. So we've yeah, and then the climax where they fight in the water, and you mm-hmm. don't really, you can't really tell what happens. You just know that the dude goes back to combat the monster or whatever. And bad things happen to him. Yeah, and then yeah, and I'm still not really clear what happened. But um, what do you think was like? Did you find the scene where the monster appears effective? Well, I didn't know what was going to happen. And the interesting thing about the tunnel movie is, by the time we do see the monster and. I will say it, it, it has echoes of another great monster movie called The Descent. Mm-hmm. The situation itself is dire. Like, they're lost in these tunnels, and they're coming unglued, and they, they're missing somebody. Mm-hmm. Even without the supernatural ele- element, it was, it's already good. Having this additional compounding and not unexpected element, let's be fair, mm-hmm. uh, I think was great. And I, I, I think it was it showed great poise to hold back that far on the monsters, because... You know, a lot of other movies would have, you know, there would have been finding body parts down there, or there'd already be. You get the idea that there's a cover-up, that the powers that be know that this is not a good place, Mm -hmm. and that they're not allowed to be there, but um, beyond that, you're not given a lot of reason to think that, you know, here there be dragons. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Um, And I think, like, my worry as a a filmmaker would have been, um, oh, what's the movie with Justin Long? Uh, Jeepers Creepers. You right. must have seen Jeepers Creepers. Of course I've seen Jeepers Creepers. Who are you talking Terrifying about? movie until the monster <laughs> shows up. And then it's just like, oh, it's one of these. And I don't know if it's the makeup or like just the creature design itself. Produced by Francis Ford Coppola. Just for really? the Really? <laughs> Correct. Jesus. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, yeah, I was loving that movie. And, and, it's, and I still enjoyed it after that. But I, I remember just sort of like leaning it's forward in my seat and feeling like, why did it have to go here? Mm-hmm. It was so creepy the way it was. That didn't happen with the tunnel. Once right. I saw the monster, uh, it not only made sense, even though I didn't really expect it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if they were going to run into a band of like homeless or, cannibals yeah. or something like that. Um, particularly after the one scene where somebody clearly picks up the camera. Yeah. And um, moves it on them because yeah. that doesn't make you think creature if it's it has the, the the intellect and poise to lift something and use it and 
whether they know what they're doing with it or not. But it did sort of imply that it was someone with a human-like intelligence and ability to be toying with them a little bit. Yeah, almost like they knew they're going to watch this later, and now they'll be scared. um, Wouldn't this be a great shot? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So when the creature showed up, it was definitely a surprise to me, and... A welcome one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm kind of at a loss to know why it worked. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just like the way it was filmed is more convincing. It doesn't look like makeup. It looks like a creature. I've said it before, uh, and uh, you know, I think that monsters or the killers do their best work in the shadows. Yeah, you know, uh, the whole Jaws conceit. The the more you see Jaws in the movie Jaws, the less scary it is because yeah. it's a robot, right? Yeah. But. Uh, when, <laughs> The movie is terrifying because what you don't see. And yeah. the found footage has to, to use that. They have to use that. They're forced into mm-hmm. this little window. So if that's the conceit, use it. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. what you don't see will scare you. you know? Yeah, It's the only... Am I wrong or is that the only moment in the movie where you really see the creature? I think there's two moments. During the splashing it. around from bat, like fisticuffs at the end, you kind of get glimpses of it. Yeah. But it's not like the descent where... Once the creature's introduced, it becomes a featured creature that see it repeatedly shows up and there's sustained shots where it looks creepy, but it, you can't help but be like, oh, They okay, hold the mystery as much as possible. Here's the creature again, you know, that kind of thing. Um, maybe that's why it worked so well in the tunnels, because you just see it the once, and then after that, you, you know it's there somewhere, but it's the, you the, don't know where. It's the Matrix thing. If the movie leaves you wanting more, you want more monster, or you want to see Super Neo, right? Mm-hmm. But when you get to the sequel, when you see the monster in every frame, when you mm-hmm. see Neo as God, mm-hmm. not as cool as mm-hmm. what you would you know, it, it, uh, the discovery of the monster, or becoming the hero, is almost mm-hmm. always more interesting than the monster or being the hero. We'll have to see how this... I haven't thought about this till just now, but we'll have to see through the other movies, like if the ones that adhere to the... You get one shot. You get one money shot with your monster, and after that, it's not going to be believable anymore. It's probably uh, probably a bit of a truism. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Grave Encounters. Psychiatric hospitals like this were seen as sort of a, a dumping ground for embarrassing family members rather than a place that they could go to actually... Get help. Many of them were severely disturbed. It's truly frightening. I swear to God that I saw someone right at the end of the hall there. And he swears that, that, that something pushed him off the ladder. So you guys see this window here? I lock it up real good at night, come back in the morning, sometimes this thing's wide open. Tonight. My crew and I, using the most sophisticated in ghost hunting equipment. We're in search of definitive proof of spirits that were unsettled in life. And possibly unsettled in the afterlife. Is there someone here with us? Here's a movie called Grave Encounters, written and directed by the Vicious Vicious Brothers. Brothers. Uh, uh, They probably think that helps their movie, but it doesn't help their movie. Uh, there's a few of these, the brothers people, you know, the, yeah. the, the Coen brothers obviously being the most famous and the most awesome. Who are the Coen brothers? The Coen brothers? They're obscure, yes. Um, the Hughes brothers, or the, there's, I'm, I'm missing a bunch, the Wachowski mm. siblings. <laughs> yeah, Lana now, yeah. rather than Larry. No, nobody wants to be Larry. Nobody wants to be Larry. <laughs> um, this makes use of a, another great location which is a real facility uh somewhere around vancouver mm-hmm. they used to shoot tons of episodes of millennium and x-files using in that this... as a location in that same location oh really it's 
not been used as a hospital for a long time, but it's one of the most filmed locations apparently <laughs> out there. But instead of just using like a, a dirty, dusty hallway or a big empty room or a corner of this facility, they actually use the whole facility as, yeah, you know... Yeah, they make use of some pretty creepy surroundings. The location. Mm -hmm. And they also, we were talking again about these Discovery faux documentary cheesy ghost hunty shows. Mm -hmm. I think it sort of puts those shows a little bit in the crosshairs. Um, I remember I kind of... Uh, because I, I wanted you to like the movie. <laughs> I remember I kind of you warned, warned you. You warned me a little I, bit. I warned you. Like, it's like, you're going to start off and you're probably not going to like some of these characters and you're not going to be sure about the acting. Like, there's, yeah. a, there's a deliberate cheesiness to the beginning of the movie that I can concede might be off-putting to some people, but you got to stay with this movie because I think if you do, you'll be rewarded. Uh, but I thought it was pretty... Like, even if you hadn't mentioned that to me, yeah. I thought the movie... Uh, did an excellent job, particularly, it's mostly the, the main character's performance that yeah. does what you're talking about. Yeah. I got it right away. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, I understood that he was supposed to be a bit of a jagoff who, <laughs> you know, didn't give two shits about the truth of these places. It's not that he doesn't believe in ghosts. It's that he wants to make the best ghost show that he can make. Yeah. And if that means he's got to bribe the... It'd be great if there were real ghosts If they were there. real, yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah. If we get some real footage, great. Yeah. But if I have to pay the custodian to tell me a bullshit story on camera, I'm willing to do that. If I have to hire an actor to be yeah. the psychic to for the show, the <laughs> I'm going to do that. Yeah. And uh, I love the way everybody is in on the joke. Even the members of the crew who are quote-unquote serious about it yeah. know that they're in a TV show yeah. and come to this place with no real and that this dude pulls this shit every episode yeah absolutely yeah and i think this is like the eighth episode of the series that they were saying something like that so well, they've been I, at I, it together the for producer a while. says that it it doesn't air after the fifth so right and this is like why yeah. because this footage because of the film they didn't movies. air anymore after they discovered everyone disappeared and they found this footage yeah uh the trailer for this movie went viral on uh youtube it kind of sort of became popular before it was released because oh, really? they cut together a really cool haunted house trailer out of it and uh uh, I think they actually brought the goods. When I saw the movie, I was surprised at how effective it was. It actually creeped me out mm -hmm. a little bit. So uh, I'm curious to hear what you thought of it. <laughs> well, um, yeah, no, I love good haunted house stories. This this one in particular was remarkably similar to a short film that I wrote and semi-produced years ago. Nice. Uh, it was uh, I was teaching drama to a group of kids, and uh, that year the coordinator had decided to switch it to a film program. So... Once we realized the kids didn't really want to be as involved to the point where they would write their own movie, I took sort of took the reins and was like, okay, I'll write a ghost story for you. And they loved it. When we did like our first teaser sequence, they were like, oh, this is great. We got to finish this story. And uh, yeah, so I wrote the pilot for a TV show that was very much this. It was like a group of filmmakers who, it was sort of like the, the antithesis of this and that it was a group of filmmakers who went to haunted, supposedly haunted places purposefully to debunk. Yeah the legend um and of course you know find the real deal so they're non-believers who stumble it's like a bunch of scullies who stumble <laughs> upon haunted. the real deal yeah, yeah the real deal um so as soon as i realized that's what it was about i got all excited and was like this is the movie we could have made you <laughs> yeah. know um and it is pretty effective um the acting's really convincing for the most part um the psychic is very entertaining, but kind of the weak point of the film, I think, mostly because he's the only actor I recognized. Right. 
uh, I don't even know from what. I just his mug was so my wife was watching some terrible fantasy show and he showed up and I don't know what it was, but the special effects looked like sci-fi movie level. I can't remember. He was a wizard or something. Seeker? He has a real wizard Seeker? face. Legends, oh, maybe the seeker uh, based like on that. a kid's book. Something like that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. I don't know. Um, lots of lots of scares and scares that were like one step below effective scare where I recognized what they were going for but it didn't quite work like when the same dude the psychic gets thrown across like choked in midair and then thrown across the room it would kind of creep me out but at the same time I was like this is this is different from the rest of the movie Mm -hmm. in some way um where they just took it took it to a place that uh that uh deprioritized the the suspension of disbelief a little bit I think the... just to have like a money moment that would look good in the trailer, right. you know, you got to have your trailer moments. And well, you tell me, I never saw the trailer. Was that moment in the trailer? Uh, just his sort of body going down the hallway and hitting the ground, just that thump. So we didn't they, see the initial. They lift. saved some of it, yeah. but um, but basically, it was just a lot of the boo scares, a lot of the CG, uh, mm. and the computer graphics, which are in it a lot. Don't bother me as much in this movie as it does in some of the other movies. Where were I'm, their computer graphics? Like the, when the ghost turns and opens its mouth, and its mouth is way too big for its face. They've all oh, augmented yeah. that I guess with that would computer have to be. and yeah. things like that, um, and uh, just little augmentations. The hands coming out of the walls, absolutely, which was terrifying. <laughs> um, but I think that the movie does a smart thing by taking you a little bit off balance at the beginning because because the guy is such a chosh. The lead the mm-hmm. lead host is like. Got a Pat Eubanks sort of vibe going on. To it. Yeah. Um, you, you, you sort of almost get knocked back into satirical funny mode for a second. Yeah. So when it starts to get a little bit more scary, you're like, oh, okay, here we go. Here comes the scary. I didn't anticipate it to go as hard and dark as it did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked that it went there. And uh, I just, it sort of, like I say, it, it caught me out of surprise because... Mm-hmm. In a way, the whole jokey tone of it sort of thought, okay, we're going to have sort of a... Fun. These guys are going to be taught a lesson to take supernatural things seriously. Yeah. No, they're going to be fucking killed. Brutally. Yeah. I was... Ex- yeah, same thing. I was kind of expecting, like, Blair Witch light. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, I guess probably for the same reasons, that he was just, like... Some, there was something goofy about him. Um, but it was goofy in line with uh, setting him up for a fall that made sense over the course of the film. I guess because by the end when he's all alone in the tunnel and has to go to sleep because he's so tired yeah. there's nobody to like stand guard yeah. that was terrifying I you know and and it wouldn't be if uh, if his characterization had not been effective Absolutely. from the start of the film the journey from super cheesy I'm gone TV mm-hmm. to I'm going to eat a, a rat yeah to sustain myself. Yeah. Because I'm starving to death. Because I've been here for what seems like weeks now yeah. at that point. Um, that is a pretty effective journey. And mm-hmm. a, 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 there's a wide gap in between. And we see a lot of the steps. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I give big kudos to him. And again, like I said, at first I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if I liked him. And then once I saw where he was going, I liked him a lot. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, this movie had, like you mentioned, the the moment that most of these movies have where somebody says, what are you filming me for? Yeah, Foo, that absolutely. kind of thing. This movie has that moment. Yeah. I don't remember exactly where it happened, but I remember clocking it when I was watching it and being like, oh, come on. Like, why you gotta, yeah. why you gotta do that? And, for and them, I think it was the token black guy who yeah. said it, right? And, and in that scenario, what else are you gonna do? Like, I mean, you can't leave. It's been established they can't leave the place. And they well, have the camera equipment. <laughs> like, uh, I, 
They also, uh, I don't remember a specific like line of dialogue that sets it up, but I got the impression that the only reason they could see as effectively as they could in Just most the of the scenes lens. was because they have night vision on the camera. Yeah. And lights so, mounted to the camera. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're the one camera shoots night vision, right? And the other one has Again, you've got a lot of other problems to deal with. This seems almost minor compared. Let the guy run the camera if it makes him feel better. The batteries will die sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. We, let's not sweat the small stuff. Um Another brilliant use of the conceit is we get a good walkthrough of all the creepy locations when Mm -hmm. they first get there, and they show us the room with the bathtub, and they show us the room with the window, and they show us all of those locations that are going to be used again later on, and they do it in that cheesy TV special way. The window sometimes opens by itself. (laughs) You know? There may be someone slit their wrists in this bathtub. Or maybe they didn't. We don't know. But it's yeah. a creepy story. Right? Uh, and yeah, we get we get payoffs on all of those rooms later on. Yeah. And when you return to those rooms in the dark of night, when they're wandering by themselves, either to collect equipment or whatever conceit that they've come up with to break them up. Mm-hmm. And they do do that successfully several times. Separate the group in ways that don't make me go, bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it works. It works. Uh, I think that... Because of the map out of it being an investigation of a haunting, they really were able to plant seeds and then pay them all Plant seeds while also, like, one of the things that I appreciated about this one um, is that while Blair Witch has a significant amount of setup before it really becomes terrifying, the setup is not really that scary. It's, It's suspenseful, but it really reads like setup in retrospect, whereas... This one, because of the nature of the rooms that they're exploring, yeah. I did. I, I found it was the opposite. I was creeped out just watching them explore. Like when he stands in the middle of the shower room and yeah. his voice echoes that certain way, <laughs> it's creepy already. You know, it, you know, you know it's going to get, or you hope it's going to get creepier later. But it's already kind of scary. Yeah, they take their time with the first half of the movie to work your nerves, so that when the scares come for the second, like forty minutes or so of the movie. Mm-hmm. They come pretty fast and furious, and they work effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that does require a little bit of patience. It, it is again another one of these movies you got to meet halfway. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're willing to do it, this is a really fucking good found footage movie, and it surprised me. I was kind of preparing myself for it to go the other way when mm-hmm. I sat down to watch it. And it wasn't a well received movie, from what I people read. People seem to be mixed on it. I'm a big fan. I yeah. gotta say, I I genuinely liked it. There's I, things I that are a lot cheesy of about it, movies. but it's really quite yeah. entertaining and scary. I watch a lot of horror movies, Jaren, and, and uh, I can see a jump scare coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, I jumped a couple times watching this movie. Yeah, at moments where I didn't expect to. I was like, oh, wow, yeah, yeah. it really got me there. And it's not just necessarily about a sudden loud noise, which is an easy cheat. It's mm-hmm. just a well-set-up boo, and uh, there's a lot to be said about it. Yeah, You watch the special features on this film, you see these kids being interviewed, and they do. They look like they're 17 years old, mm-hmm. and they're, they're goth these goth kids who have watched way too many These are the movies. Vicious Brothers you're talking about? I don't about? know how old they are. They look like they're kids, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to say they're in their 20s. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I gotta say, this was their first time out, and they gave a good movie. And apparently they're doing an alien abduction thing coming up, and I will give that a look. There is a sequel to Grave Encounters. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have it. If you want to have a look, I can lend it is to it you. Is it really bad? You sound like you don't I am, like it. I am disappointed. I don't think it's a 100% they catastrophe. Wrote the Vicious Brothers they wrote, wrote it. it. A different guy directed it. Yeah. And they went a brave direction with it, I will say. But I I, I love me the original. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just give me a good Haunted House movie. I don't think you need to overcomplicate it necessarily. But 
conversation for another day. Okay. The, the bullet point here is Grave Encounters. If you uh, like scary movies, you should watch it. Yeah, thumbs up for Grave Encounters. Nu skal vi da opp til en gård her oppe, hvor det har vært noe på lokalnyhetene om hendelser. Folk vil jo alltid prøve å finne naturlige forklaringer på sånne ting. Men hvis man oppsøker råsted og leter etter spor, er det ikke vanskelig å finne ut om det er troll som har vært på ferie. Hvorfor skal ikke folk få vite hva som foregår her? Skal du ha det i kameraet? No. Hva tror du Michael Moore ga seg etter første forskning? Det var for han kom med den trollen. Hva skjer han filmer oss? Okay, so Troll Hunter, I think easily the most ambitious of these movies as far as the found footage conceit. It's a Norwegian film. Um, I, uh, so, you know, you got to deal with the shaky camera and the subtitles, so sometimes it takes a couple passes to get every corner of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, I, I heard about this movie coming out, and uh, it was sort of getting a lot of positive buzz, and uh, it just seems like on its face to be so bizarre and silly and <laughs> trolls and trolls. And they stick very true to this Norwegian folktale tradition of trolls. and that Which is a strength. Yeah, it, they got these big bulbous noses and cartoon faces, and some of them have several heads, but only one that works, and they're yeah. kind of lopsided and goofy cartoony looking, but they're playing it straight. Mm -hmm. And this is the real accomplishment of this movie. It's that this whole thing, this whole conceit, this entire vast conspiracy to keep these mountain-sized trolls uh, out of the public eye is played 100% straight. Yeah. Nobody dips their hand at any point. Nobody winks. Nobody says, eh? <laughs> Come on, you guys. Yeah. Come trolls. on, this is awesome. <laughs> right? uh, no, it is very, very straight. Unless something is lost in the translation, unless they were <laughs> lying with the subtitles. Like... Well, they rely mostly on the troll hunter, right? Yeah. In, you know, to, to, to affect what you're talking about. He does not at any like the the camera crew have their doubts. Obviously. Yeah, <laughs> but the troll hunter himself is yeah one hundred percent. Like I want to I want to see some of this guy's other work <laughs> yeah. because he's amazing. Yeah, uh, apparently he's known to be more of a funny guy in his native lands. He's more of a comedian. Mm. He's playing a little bit against type in this movie. Wonder why they thought of him because <laughs> <laughs> he was willing to do a movie called Troll Hunter. <laughs> I, guess. I guess he probably thought it was a comedy. Uh, a group of uh, kids who are doing a film on uh, protecting the environment were, were trying to do a story on what they believe is a bear poacher mm. who's been sighted around uh, acting mysteriously. There's been a few deaths that have been attributed to wild bears and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But the evidence isn't adding up and the path leads them to this fellow, this very mysterious gruff fellow. Um, and as we find out through the story, it turns out he is a government hired fellow who is in charge of making sure that the trolls in the area stay within their designated areas and to keep the cruel troll thing Hush hush Under wraps, from the rest of the yeah. world for no reason that I could possibly understand. I don't know why. Tourism dollars. Tour That's about uh, the only thing I could think of. Really? Because I would fucking fly to go see a troll. <laughs> but, uh, if this movie got out though, yeah. and the rest of the world saw it, then yeah, you wouldn't be flying there to see trolls. It's amazing though, because, and it's a conceit that I love. The same way, like, 
I love the that chick in, in, in Hobo with a Shotgun who delivers this huge, seriously toned monologue with a big smile on her face, covered in gore. There's just something so ridiculous about the conceit, you know. He's going to go hunt, literally hunt for a troll under a bridge. Yeah. That happens. That trolls can smell Christian blood. <laughs> it's a thing in this movie. The one guy lies about being a Christian. And, and it he's costs like, him. Yeah, <laughs> costs him. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, just describing it, it sounds like it should be ridiculous, broad comedy silliness, mm-hmm. and it's played straight, and I think for the most part, kind of works. Really convincingly, <laughs> yeah. What did you think of Trollhunter? Uh, yeah, pretty much the same. Um, it It's maybe the one most of, of the six that maybe belongs more in mockumentary territory, right. more than found footage. I mean, it is found footage, obviously. Mm-hmm. It adheres to those tropes. Um but would you call it more of a comedy than a horror well, movie? Well, mockumentary is the wrong term, but like faux documentary. Right. Found footage uh, capitalizes on the fact that the people who shot it didn't have any say in the way it was edited. or um, You didn't get that conceit? Uh, well. Because the movie just ends. That's it does. Just, that's where the footage ends. It does, right. but it also it also felt the most like a documentary crew mm. just filming a movie rather than filmmakers creating it. found footage for the purpose of scares, right. I guess, which is what most like this one, I think it was because this one didn't come, was the one that comes off least like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and their concern was less with creating that type of a film than it was creating a really convincing documentary that happened to be about a troll hunter yeah. and that had some creepy moments but overall, it was not like a movie that, you know, I had to watch in the dark to really enjoy it or anything like that. It wasn't dependent on that. I just was really entertained by how odd it was and how effective it was. I reviewed, and quite negatively, uh, an Anthony Hopkins movie called The Right, and uh, where he played this uh, guy who was doing exorcisms, and he mm-hmm. looked bored with it. Like, the whole time he was doing the exorcist, he just, exorcism, he wasn't impressed. Yeah. It's weird because I think of the similar sort of complaint could be laid towards this troll hunter and his unfazability <laughs> in, in the face of this bizarre world. He's been doing this so long. It's commonplace for him. He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't yeah. give a fuck. And like, he's probably going to get in big shit for letting these guys film him. Yeah. But again, he doesn't give a fuck. He figured he's got like the most thankless job ever. And yeah. if they want to fire him, they might be doing him a favor. Right? Yeah. And, and, and for some reason, this film, that, that, that kind of put a smile on my face the whole time. <laughs> that no matter how fucking crazy your job is, if you do it long enough... It's you just, just be- get tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's ready to... Re- I got that impression too. He's, they kind of imply that he's maybe got a little thing going with the one woman that they mm-hmm. go see. And that... Uh, He's maybe just like ready to pack it in as as chief troll hunter, you know, pass off his job to somebody else, and like I'm is, retirement age now, I can live off my pension, you know. I none don't of this need is this overtly shit. stated, but it's clearly there. So yeah. there's like layers to this thing, you yeah. know. This again, troll hunter movie, and I I think that the other thing that makes it stand out against this other group of movies, uh, to make it different, anyways, is the level of the special effects. There's mm-hmm. a lot of CGI in this movie. And yeah. for the most part, actually, really good CGI. Used effectively. Yeah, um, the only time I sort of feel the ripple is when they're interacting with real people. When the, when the troll hunter is actually thrown by a troll, I don't, I don't necessarily believe it as mm-hmm. much. Or when it gets to the huge Jurassic troll-sized <laughs> uh, yeah. creatures, it's, it's just unmistakably CG. Rather, yeah, know? and I don't know what the workaround is for that kind of stuff. Like, most, most movies that are more... The smarter takes usually, like create a story where they're not going to have to have those moments 
for it to be scary or effective in whatever way they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, I think I always feel like that's the best bet. Like I was sort of saying, have one monster moment that you're just like, this is our one cheat yeah. where we get to show it in all its glory. Well, they bring the monsters here. <laughs> yeah, but the, but it's never really 100% convincing because the human mind just doesn't really have a concept of what that would look like, so they can't recognize the reality. You can't relate like, to Like, if a troll a were troll. real and did that, yeah. maybe that's exactly what it would look like when one of them picks up the troll hunter and throws him. Yeah. But you can't recognize it as truthful because you've never seen it. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's a bit of a problem. It's but, similar to the Uncanny Valley problem. You just can't fully buy into it because it's not it's not close enough or recognizable enough as what your mind does know right? for you to just go with it. To you get stuck on it take the ride. for some reason. I do think the fact that they did go with the sort of classic troll visage tradition, the huge, like I say, bulbous noses and sort mm-hmm. of the cartoon features... Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, should kind of detract from the reality. It didn't. Like, I still sort of went with the movie, but, mm-hmm. like, the, if they're, he treats them like they're animals. They're not, like, these supernatural beasties. They have weird attributes, like smelling Christian blood and exploding when they're subjected to sunlight. <laughs> yeah. But they try to write this off as, like, some calcifying thing in the bones. You know, they try to write it off as a... It's uh, just a quality a reaction. of their animals. Yeah. yeah, a scientific explanation, however preposterous, is attempted here. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't look like animals. They look like things out of a kid's cartoon. They look like movie. the trolls that my grandmother had on her... Those my Norwegian creepy grandmother Norwegian had on trolls. her bookshelf. Uh, other interesting thing to note, uh, the remake rights to this has apparently been acquired... Oh, why? Why bother? Why bother? This was made Ag- like three years ago or two years ago. Agreed. And uh, it's apparently, I-, I heard, under the guise of Chris Columbus, the man who brought us Mrs. Doubtfire. Right? And is bringing us Mrs. Doubtfire, too. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's going to direct it or if he just acquired the rights or whatever, but the idea of remaking this in America, I am very, very skeptical of. Like... It, 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 this seems like such a uniquely Norwegian piece yeah. that to supplant these trolls to the United States just seems wrong. I mean, well, it, what would they do? It would just be an American film crew making a documentary in Norway is probably what it will be. But is it really such an imposition to read subtitles? <laughs> the, the, For most people, <laughs> sadly, it, yeah. It really blows my mind. I mean, I'm sure that they'll, they'll make a visually strong, you know, looking movie. Yeah. But it makes sense that this be a Norwegian film. And yeah. for some reason, I think the subtitles even kind of help add a sort of... It creates the same sense that I had watching Blair Witch for the first time of uh, a level of distancing that actually adds to the believability. Like, yeah. knowing that it's in a different language and uh, I'm going to have to put up with that inconvenience through the whole thing just makes it seem more like a documentary. Yeah. And less like a movie that's tailor-made to entertain me. And I didn't find myself trying to pick the movie apart. Usually if, if I'm not liking the movie, I'm like it's easy to pick the scab, right? Mm-hmm. And say, you know, he just brought a barrel of Christian blood to that bridge to hunt a troll. Where is he getting a barrel yeah. of Christian blood? Yeah. This seems like a really good question that they should maybe ask where he's just, getting a fucking barrel. Yeah. You, know? you just sort of take for granted if there's one guy out there who knows where to get a barrel yeah. of Christian blood, it's going to be this guy. Oh, you want a barrel of blood? I'll get you a barrel of blood. <laughs> yeah. I'll get you a barrel of blood by 3.30 this afternoon. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's the Christian blood. That's going to cost extra. Yeah. 
Anyway, the bullet point here is that I'm I'm a big fan of Troll Hunter. Uh, yeah. It's a found footage movie, and it sort of stands out as unique within the found footage genre. Yeah. Uh, I think that they had a lot of advantages in that they clearly had a budget to work with here, and a lot of money in post to do those effects. Apparently, a lot of the animators much prefer a still frame when they're doing their work. Mm. And the found footage conceit, again, thing, same thing with Cloverfield, because the, the frame is constantly moving, it makes the job of your special effects people a lot more difficult. Mm. And uh, considering that and not considering that, I think the special effects are quite strong. How well they'll hold up, well, only time will tell. But mm -hmm. today, right now, watching Troll Hunter, they work more than they don't. I bet the special effects will be amazing in the remake. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Much know, more guys. so than any other aspect of the film, probably. <laughs> It'll have great special effects. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a fan. It's uh, it's a strong movie. I I was not really expecting something scary from the trailer I saw. <laughs> I discovered it uh, through a podcast that I listened to. Uh, they just the one guy on the podcast made like three references to Troll Hunter and how cool the idea was like <laughs> yeah. three times. So they okay, you know, mental Sold. note, yeah. check that out. And then I watched about half the trailer, and was like, nope. I don't need to see any more of this. I'm in for this already. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it did. It probably stood out of all six of these. Like, it's the one that's the most marked difference from the others. Yeah. I think it's just the goal of the film is quite a bit different than the others. The others are pretty purely just after some scares, yeah. you know? And this one, I don't just... think they were after scaring you, really, because if they were, they didn't do a very good job. They it were has after its convincing moments, you. But they were trying to make a real world with trolls, and that is ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was effective. It was good. Exorcism is alive and well. The Bible is filled with demons. If you believe in God, you have to believe in the devil. We're looking for the sweets are fine. You want to make a U-turn, and then I want you to go back where you came from. Jeez, go, go! Seems like the end of the road. Mr. Schmitzer? How you doing? Cotton Marcus. My wife died two years ago. It was quite a shock for Nell. Were you very close? She was my best friend. Somehow, the devil kind of entered. Nell, can you hear me? Yeah. Good. Nothing to be nervous about. What is it? It's coming through my skin. Please help. Get out of my... Let him come now. Okay. One of the great things about this last exorcism movie, I don't know if you saw the special feature on, on the movie. Nope. There's a special feature where there's a prayer that you can recite to protect yourself. <laughs> From uh, demonic influence after watching a movie. Do you on know the it subject by heart? Of, I, I did not. I just think it's hilarious that that's a real special feature on this film. If only I'd known. Uh, this movie is uh, directed by Daniel Stamm. I'm not aware of any of his subsequent work. He did. He was he involved with the sequel? Uh, he was not. I don't believe this is largely cast with uh, unknown people, which is common to the found footage genre. Mm -hmm. But the level of production value, the quality of the film, is obviously sharper, and there's obviously a little bit more money mm -hmm. uh, being thrown at this. Um, they're going for a sort of, you know, occultish sort of who can you trust vibe, and uh, this sort of classic: is she or isn't she possessed? Mm -hmm. Are we looking at a religious zealot father who is just crazy and believes that his father's 
possessed, mm-hmm. uh, or that his daughter is possessed, and that the only way to legitimately save her, if the exorcism isn't going to work, is to blow her in half with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the quandary that they walk themselves into. I think it's interesting, the lead actor, and I wish I'm going to actually have to splice in his name here, because for some reason they haven't included it on the oh, really? DVD. That's weird. Uh, the actor's name who we're struggling to remember there is Patrick Fabian. He plays the lead in this movie, Cotton Marcus. Uh, other cast members to note, um, Louis, Louis Hartham uh, plays Louis Sweetser, and Caleb Landry-Jones plays the younger son, Caleb Sweetser. Interesting to note, much like the Blair Witch Project, um, a lot of the actor's first names are shared by the, the name of the character. So anyway, uh, this movie's full of some relatively unknown uh, performers, and I think everyone acquits themselves adequately. The lead actor is, I think, pretty strong, but he does walk that same line that I was talking about in uh, Grave Encounters, where there's sort of a a level of cheese. There's a bit of used car car salesman to this guy, Mm -hmm. Um, but I kind of liked him right away, too, in that he was able to recognize it. He was a snake oil salesman, and he knew it, and he came slowly to recognize it. It was the way he was raised. It was the world he grew up in, but... He had this moment where he realized he was taking advantage of people and didn't want to do it anymore. Except he's going to do it one more time for the cameras. <laughs> but, and in that sort of uh, righteous, uh, with the mask of piousness that you see in a lot of very faithful people, that mm-hmm. they're doing this for the good of all. You can tell this man has some ego, too, and he likes the smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. And he's good at it. There's a reason he's done so well. Yeah. But... You kind of like him. He's got a kid who he obviously loves, and he's doing the right thing. He might be going about it in kind of a a backwards way, but he's admitting that this is a sham, and he's got these documentarians who are going to follow him along. Mm -hmm. And as I say, we come to this farm where all of a sudden they're painted into this corner where they have to exercise this girl convincingly, or her father will fucking kill her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And And maybe them. And maybe them. And the cameras continue to roll as more and more evil mm-hmm. shenanigans continue. Mm-hmm. Um, Darren, what did you think of The Last Exorcism? Um, yeah, I enjoyed aspects of it. I watched it with somebody who'd seen it before, so they kind of like built it up for me a little bit. I mm-hmm. think I benefited from that. Uh, just gave me a little bit more want to see it. Uh, I think the $1 million budget or whatever that it had um, maybe hurt the movie a little bit. I feel like the most successful um, entries in this kind of genre are the ones that even if they have a budget, they don't look like they do. Right. Like Grave Encounters would be that way. It, right. I, I think, I don't know what its budget was, but I think it probably had a... Lower end, I would say. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and it just it just makes it more believable somehow. The fact that this just looked a little bit more pristine, I think it made me feel like it was the movie was trying to appeal more than it was trying to uh, uh, trying to display, you know, and that it, that is something I like that takes me out of a movie if I feel like it was tailor made to appeal to somebody. Right. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. The the scares are pretty effective for the most part. 
it's maybe the one movie where at the end I kind of felt like it was a bit of an empty experience somewhat. Uh, like he, uh, his, his revelation at the end that the vision she had or whatever is he's going to do it. He decides this is, I, you know, he finds his faith in that moment and decides I've got to fight this thing. Uh, felt kind of like, um, the inevitable place that his, that the that his character had to get to. Right. Um, it was preordained. If if that was the case, if that is the way it was meant to play out, is it a matter of him having a religious, you know, or him moment, knowing, or is that just I'm his do destiny? This. And yeah. Therefore, I I can't fight it. I won't fight it because I can't. And then the, and then the fact that the cameraman is the only one left, mm-hmm. and he's got to buy it somehow, so he just gets clubbed or has he's his decapitated. Yeah, think, decapitated. Yeah. The abruptness, uh, the abruptness bothered me because it felt like they were adhering to like going. The filmmakers were doing a checklist of and it's found four, so obvi- found footage, so obviously it has to end abruptly. Mm-hmm. That kind of a thing. It, it, it sort of towed the line of the rules of it. That bothered me less than just the conceit. Why we're we filming at that point when you when we get to the big payoff at the end and they go to the cornfield and they see what's really going on. Mm-hmm. You drop the camera and you run. Like, you drop the camera and I don't you know. Run. I felt the opposite. Right? <laughs> I felt like if I had a camera in my hand at that point, as somebody who who films, who documents things right. for a living, I don't think I would stop filming. I, I would not... I would not <laughs> go towards yeah, the, the, uh, the, hor- the horrific things that are going on. It was three against 50 people right? yeah. in that point you're just it's a bad numbers game yeah and you're interrupting something that's probably important to them <laughs> right they don't want you to be there you don't want to be there you just leave you yeah. drop the camera and you leave but again once they drop the camera the movie ends so yeah. he carries the camera and films it right to the bitter end yeah. i think you would use the camera to defend yourself you would throw the camera at this <laughs> fucking guy right i get that complaint and they set up the thing ashley bell plays the the uh, act the the woman who is possessed. The young girl, in, yeah. in the film. And uh, she's got a sort of strange look to her and a great physicality. She does mm-hmm. some great body bends that really look awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she did all that stuff in camera. And mm. I think she was pretty impressive. But I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think that possession roles are one of these like super villainy roles where it's really hard to overdo it. It's mm-hmm. really hard to overplay if you're if you're possessed, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to overplay if you're a supervillain, unless you're Tommy Lee Jones. But the <laughs> conversation for another day. <laughs> the, I, I think that she is strong, but you're right about sort of the preordained things. She draws a picture of a bloody cat, and then a cat meets a bloody end in it, mm-hmm. and she clearly draws a picture of the camera crew dead. One of them dismembered, yeah. one of them decapitated, and one of them holding a cross and walking to the fire. Yeah. And once you have the confirmation of the cat and the creepiness that's going on, there's just no fucking good reason for them to stick around. Like, yeah. There's no logical reason for them, and that's kind of an ouch to the movie. Especially since I feel like the movie was attempting to walk the line of right almost like right to the moment where they decide to go back the movie's trying to walk the line of is it real or isn't it mm-hmm. and i didn't for a second think Doubt the movie it. wasn't going to end with them the real seeing beat. something demonic you know like but i will say that i didn't expect it necessarily to be exactly what it was i'm going to mm-hmm. go right into the spoilers we're going to have huge spoilers here for the last exorcism mm-hmm. but we find out essentially this entire community 
with the exception of the religious of the zealot father and the girl, are basically involved in this cult. Yeah. The religious zealot father was right to be super protective of his daughter because mm -hmm. there was a vast conspiracy against her. Um, you know, uh, and she was literally possessed. Bad things were happening, mm -hmm. but he was super intense. And the movie made a point of portraying him very negatively. Yeah. But the subterfuge about her younger brother, who you read as being hyper protective of her, and in the end, clearly doesn't give a fuck about her, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, uh, there's a real intensity to that kid's performance. He's got like a Giovanna Ribisi type yeah. of like fucking crazy ginger kid even when he's trying intensity. to be charming he comes off as creepy yeah for sure i've seen that kid in a few other things too and uh he, he sort of brings that sort of yeah you're not he's sure very well cast um and yeah i really liked him and i liked the that inversion that you you meet him you don't like him right away mm -hmm. and he comes up to him and says just so you know if you hurt her i will kill you mm -hmm. you can roll cameras i don't care i will kill you you think like that kid's fucked up but he's <laughs> doing that because he thinks these people are exploiting his sister. Mm -hmm. He's disgusted by them. And he, he maybe in the right circumstances would be right to. Mm -hmm. But the inversion is, is no, he just doesn't want them to fuck up this oncoming ritual. You yeah. know if it's coming. And everybody being involved is the sort of thing that I didn't see coming. The I agree town, with you. you. Mean, the, like the, like the entire community. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you knew something was off with Ashley, but you didn't realize how... You know, we were going to go to this sort of 80s paranoia about the satanic cults and yeah. black robes eating babies in the woods, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it sort of goes back to that old sort of conceit that it's sort of, like most ignorance in the South, has taken longer to go away in the South than it did in other places. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so that element of it did work. And I did like the performances. And again, and it's in all of these movies... There's, like, no celebrities to be found mm -hmm. anywhere in here. And it there really, couldn't be. There's could, no way they'd work with, yeah. I don't know Willis. if they could do it as well as a young, hungry actor who wants it to be thrown into something and asked to be well, ad-libbing a certain, certainly couldn't. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you get thrown in the deep end of the pool and you sink or you swim. And yeah. uh, especially in these movies, you sink or you swim. And I think everybody did a really good job in this movie as far as making me sustain yeah. the reality for as long as possible. Are there some creaks and groans in the screenplay? Mm -hmm. Are there a few scenes where I say, why are you filming this, guys? There were. And that means that it was taking me out of the reality a few times. So yeah. I will take a few points off for that, but I would stop short of saying it was bad. I would say it's a completely solid, entertaining horror movie. So, it's not a poorly made film. Mm -hmm. It just has more obvious holes punched in it, or easily punchable holes, I guess. Yeah, like yeah. logic holes than... Uh, some of the others, like a lot of these others have maybe one mm -hmm. central one that you're like, once you can get beyond it, then everything else functions, yeah. you know, this one had like three or four over the course of the film. I also love the no good deed goes unpunished conceit, you know, nice try asshole ending because <laughs> they're driving away. And if they kept driving, he goes home to his kids. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. And they stop to talk to the kid on the outskirts of town, and they realize that that story's bullshit, mm -hmm. and that they've been given the subterfuge to get scare them away. Yeah. But the, enough bad shit has happened that they've got their out, they should take it. But he can't do it. He wants to go back, and he wants to help this girl. Mm -hmm. He wants to do the right Christian thing, and it costs him and everybody their lives. Uh, again, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> and I, I, I really like that conceit. And you see it in a lot of horror movies where there's that turning point where everything could have been okay for them. Mm -hmm. But they choose to try and, you know, go back to save somebody or go back to make a wrong thing right. Mm -hmm. 
And it's kind of hard to, like, as the type of person who wants to make a horror film, I think their thinking is just not as much in line with, like, they can't wrap their heads around having some form of a happy ending for the characters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, The Strangers is not in any way found found footage, yeah. but it's a good example of that. Like, that movie, it just would have felt like the wrong ending if it had ended happily for yeah. the characters. Yeah. The, that, again, they're they're looking at terrified this is like more like uh, they want to scare you with mm-hmm. that movie yeah. and they want to leave you unsettled and scared mm-hmm. and if the lovers end up you know vanquishing the evil and in each other's arms and yeah. uh, there's some zinger the whole movie the would end. feel invalid somehow yeah yeah I guess we'll have to try a romantic evening next weekend but and credits so Not imagine scary. like what would this whole movie have felt invalid then if they had They'd driven away? Well, and then if... we just saw footage. Somebody else was in the ritual filming footage of her. Or they go back, but when he stomps out, like, because the picture is vague enough. The picture she draws, it doesn't really depict that he stomps out with them. the cross yeah. and dies. Yeah. And even the ending, you could make the argument you don't know that he dies. It's mm-hmm. just logic would dictate fifty on one. He's kind of fucked. He yeah. does have a cross in his hand. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. Um... <laughs> And he also, there's, there's, there's sort of like a, uh, something in the moment where he gets the surge of adrenaline or faith, what have you, where it's kind of like a moment where you rally behind him because he, he seizes something that he didn't have prior to that in the film. And like we were saying, you don't know if he's seizing it because he saw the picture or because in that moment he knows he needs to have that faith in order to vanquish the evil. That's what he's got to, to, to roll. And, you know... But if there had been something more definite, that he know. defeated the evil... I don't know, if the light of Jesus' fire scared them all away, I might have called bullshit too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the movie would have felt invalid somehow. Yeah, so I, I kind of like the way they went with it. Uh, I, again, I, I just... I think the decapitation sequence, as well executed as it was, was a tough sell. Yeah. At that point, if you're the last person left, <laughs> you got to end the movie somehow. Yeah. You got to. And know. that was what they were looking for was like a, a jolting way to end it and uh, something with something definite because the main character's ending is not. Yeah. It's ambiguous. Um, uh, for me, and I mean, I'm a dark fellow. Uh, it seemed like he was going to his death, but he was going. So I, I thought so as well. I think I just kind of wanted to believe that he wasn't. Because I liked him by that point. And exactly. by that, like I said, you feel this surge, but you kind of like get behind him like, you got a cross, man. You got yeah. belief on your side now. Go do something. That's like what he stomps out there with. And it's yeah. just like, eh. Well, well you got to respect the courage anyway. <laughs> there's a fine line between brave and stupid, but yeah. <laughs> you got to respect it. High def camera on... My girlfriend, Katie, she thinks there's something in the house, I don't know. You believe me, right? I think we're going to have a very interesting time capturing whatever paranormal phenomena is occurring or is not occurring. Windows are locked. Doors are locked. Alarm is on. hearing a weird sound. Something's here. I feel it breathing on me. There's footsteps in, but there's no footsteps out. Oh, God. Oh, my God. If you do try to play games with it, that's inviting it in. All right. Oren Pelly is the director, writer, and producer of Paranormal Activity. And, and photographer. Uh, yeah, we, we, started, we started with the Blair Witch Project, and we're ending with Paranormal Activity, and I think that that's sort of appropriate in that yeah. their approaches are kind of similar in, in, in some ways. Uh, there is a, a, an outline script, but a lot of this 
script was, or the story is improvised by the actors. Mm-hmm. And the conceit is that these two people set up camera equipment because weird shit's happening in their house to film themselves while they sleep mm-hmm. so that if anything hinky happens, they can investigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, the couple, uh, Mika and what's the name of his wife now? No. Katie. Katie. Uh, when they're uh, experiencing weird things, they, uh, they realize that they want to investigate, do something about it. For Mika, he's very interested and intrigued by all this. He's got mm-hmm. a lot of money, he's got a lot of tech toys, and at first he's sort of laughing it off, but when he starts seeing this mounting evidence that there's something up, he gets really he, into He's it. compelled. He can't stop filming. Yeah. She wants him to stop. Well, she's been dealing with this her entire life, we find yeah. out. Weird shit's been happening to her since she's a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, so she, her whole position is to pretend this isn't happening, and to be a happy, normal yeah. person. Yeah, because that's always worked before. Things that go bump in the night, whatever. Uh, Mika is, because of his enthusiasm, I think largely responsible for escalating these Mm -hmm. supernatural events. And as a result, a lot of people find his character unbelievably hateable. He's definitely the Cooper character in this movie in that he's implicitly told not to bring in an Ouija board. And he brings in a Ouija board. He's implicitly told not to try and piss it off. And he walks around the house calling it names, trying to incite it. Like, he does everything wrong all of the time. But... I do believe he loves his wife, and I do believe, as fucked as his perspective is, in his head, he's doing what's right for both things. Yeah. He believes he's going to be able to get to the bottom of this problem, solve it, and be alpha male, <laughs> you yeah. know? And I gotta say, he's got some real courage to him. There's a sequence where they hear noises in the attic, that they come down the hallway and they see that the, the door to the attic has been open, yeah. and he gets a ladder out, and he sticks half his body up there and looks around with the camera. Yeah. I'm telling you, if that's me and that's my wife... I'm not fucking doing that. I'm not. There's maybe smarter ways to go about it. (laughs) Exactly. But that's why his character is the reason people are divided on the movie, I think. Yeah. Um, Um, I I get it. I get why people think he's sort of like this brutish dick. But I think that the the dickish behavior comes from the pure male per, you know, protect the home, protect the wife place. It's coming from a place of well-meaning. Yeah. You know? So I don't hate him. No, no, no. I don't hate him. He's recognizable to me. Yeah. He's not the most likable character in a lot of ways. That doesn't mean he's unbelievable, though. Yeah. I think people, a lot of people who had trouble getting past him mistook his character's qualities uh, as fakey, yeah. you know, or they label it that way, when it's just like a hitch in a hitch for the movie that actually explains why he keeps filming. Yeah. Well, and I think that I get the feeling like he was a very skeptical person, never believed any of this in his life. Yeah. And once he sees that door open by itself and he can't explain any other way around it, mm-hmm. not only does he become a believer, he becomes like really into it. Like, holy shit, this is real. Yeah. And more than that, I might be the guy to get the footage yeah. to prove that it's real. And also I will convince myself and by convince myself I can convince anyone. Yeah. You know? And also I get the impression over the course of the film that the filming it is the only thing that can can give him victory in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, at the at there's one point in the movie where she says to him, uh, let's just stay. And it's like, it, it's perfectly placed yeah. because the movie, need, they need a reason to stay at that point because he's filmed enough of it that he's got, he's 100% sure that there's it's nothing real. more they can do. Yeah. All they can do is run. And they, they, obviously they can't because that's where all the filming equipment is. The movie has to continue. Yeah. So the guy just brilliantly writes, 
Katie asks to stay. It's yeah. the only thing, you know, and it's and it, it makes perfect sense for him. He wants to him. stay, too, in a way. So, like, it's sort of torn for him. But by this point, he's scared now. But if he stays, you know, maybe he can still solve the problem, right? Yeah. And uh, he was already resigned to the fact that, okay, it's gone too far. We're leaving now. Yeah. And clearly that is the correct answer at that point. And she insists on staying. And you mm-hmm. know when she's saying it that it's the wrong choice. And I think he knows when she's saying it. Mm-hmm. It's the wrong choice. But it's because she asks him, and she and and she's the one who's suffering, and he's helpless and can't protect her. Yeah. His filming is not, is kind of the only weapon he has left at that point. So when she says, let's just stay, and, he sa- and he's resigned and says, okay. Yeah. It, I don't know. Something about it makes perfect sense. I remember watching, and the person I watched it with, we were at like complete opposite poles. They right. felt like that that was the turning point in the movie where it didn't make any sense. And for me, it was the only reason <laughs> that made sense for them to stay. Yeah. Um, I felt like everything... He finally starts listening to her when he shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean... Again, it... no good deed goes unpunished, <laughs> I guess. By that point, you kind of have the sense that she's been taken over, yeah. right? So, um, Tonight's of course, he doesn't know that. Yeah. The, and, and again, he's enabled it. The amount of conflict that they've brewed between each other and mm-hmm. has given it more power. Yeah. And uh, them and the Ouija board, the psychic, everything. They're believing and engaging with this entity. Mm-hmm. It's giving it its strength. And when it finally got to the point where, all right, I'm taking her now. Uh, you know, the, that he made... I, th- I do believe that it was the demonic presence, whatever, speaking through Katie at that point. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for Katie to suddenly have that complete you know change yeah she's she has to have been won over by it in yeah. some way or possessed whatever you want to call it does she know that she's going to go psycho and homicidal no but if there's any part of katie in there she knows it also that... depends on what ending of the movie you saw you saw yeah. it's like four different ones <laughs> um well the most i think the canon ending is that and huge spoilers uh mika is killed and she is possessed and disappears leaving it open-ended you know She's still out there, possessed. What's she going to do next? Yeah. Is that sort of that Mike Myers ending? You know, mm-hmm. the killer is still out there. We can all leave the theater a little bit unsettled. You mentioned the, those moments where we see the the still camera and they speed up the time clock. Yeah, I really thought that was a, a really clever conceit um, as far as getting time. So much of this movie is you watching a still frame, waiting for something to happen. Yeah, and a great measure of suspense is added. No musical soundtrack to tell you to be no. scared at this point. You Just know? knowing that something's inevitable. Otherwise, the numbers why is start there a movie? speeding up, speeding up, speeding up, speeding up, speeding up, and then they stop. And then you lean forward because they stopped. Yeah. Because why? something's going to happen, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, brilliant, very simple conceit, and it really, really works. You yeah. know. It also renders it that whatever is going to happen doesn't need to be, like, then when a door moves on its own, mm-hmm. it makes you go, "Oh shit!" And you shit your wait. pants a little bit, or like uh, when the blanket gets blown up over her leg. Yeah. The combination of the 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 tininess of the moments because the suspense has been built for them the combination of that with the fact that it's the kind of things everybody's been afraid of at some point in their life like dangling a leg over the side of the bed Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night those two things together just like they render those moments way scarier than i think anything any moments in any of these other movies we're talking about for me yeah and the home invasion and violation of your intimate private space Mm -hmm. like uh that's a classic conceit that works again and again, but I think it's especially primal here because you get the feeling that eventually this was going to happen. Like, sooner or later that thing, it's been following her whole life, was yeah. going to get strong enough to take her. Yeah. 
it happened now. It might have been ten years later if Mika hadn't gotten so geared in. But yeah. uh, it was going to happen, mm-hmm. and there was nothing she yeah, could do it about it. it was inevitable. Yeah. And it was with her her whole life, whispering in her ear at night, slamming mm-hmm. doors in the house, and fucking with her forever. That's terrifying. That's a terrifying conceit. When he looks in the attic and he finds the picture of her as a yeah, little kid. That was supposedly burned. That in burned the, in yeah. her first house, right? Yeah. And she said, there's no way that can be there. Little details of the movie are very strong too, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not just the concept that they're, they're trying to make it real or set a camera in the corner of the room. But um, it sort of plays to the vulnerabilities of like, if you're a very sort of paranoid person, I can really see this keeping you up at night. Mm-hmm. This movie didn't necessarily keep me up at night, but I recognized that it was a really well-made suspenser. And it's a good middle-of-the-day horror movie. You know, you don't need to watch it in a darkened room, you know. Although I think it would help. Scary. It'll help, but I think that it, it like, it's, it's unsettling. Mm-hmm. It's an unsettling movie. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I usually don't get scared as much with sort of religious... Uh, conceits about demons and mm-hmm. possession and stuff like that it's just not something that i tend to lose sleep over mm-hmm. but i like that this wasn't a ghost there was no mystery that they could solve they were going to find some bones in the attic yeah it was going to make this thing stop yeah when it left footprints in the powder on the floor they were not people they were footprints. Yeah. yeah so great little details like that yeah. um of course, this has gone franchised on, like we were talking. It's it's going on and on, and, and uh, I'm sure with increasingly diminishing returns. I have good things to say about part one and three, um, but uh, I think Paranormal Activity does deserve its reputation. And uh, if they have to have a franchise where they're releasing a movie every Halloween, yeah, I would rather, rather it this. was Paranormal Activity than Saw, frankly. Well, Personally, I, that this is more to my taste. Yeah, so. I feel like this one would sustain better than even something like Grave Encounters too. You know, it's just less dependent on the specific tropes that that movie is. I think it'll age well too. Mm-hmm. I think that I mean it'll it'll seem like the early two thousands or whatever. It'll seem like our time period, but mm-hmm. uh, when it was made. But as far as it still being an engaging movie, because. People, you know, have arguments with their husband, and yeah. they have little power struggles, and, th- and they have worries when they go to bed at night. Yeah, and the scares... That's never going away. The scares are pretty... Uh, I was going to say elemental, that's maybe not the right word, but they're pretty universal, I suppose. Yeah. Like, y- you maybe don't lose sleep over the idea of things that go bump in the night, but the the fact of not being able to see something that's clearly there... Yeah. I Troubling. think that's... Anyone who's willing to commit just dramatically to an, uh, a, a story... Yeah. we'll find that scary. And ghost stories do get under my skin. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not a believer, necessarily. but yeah. I, I Neither like... am I, but I still, when I turn the lights off, I like check the corners of my room where <laughs> something could potentially be hiding because I I've can't sleep otherwise. I've said it before. I'm not a believer, but I want to be. <laughs> Some part of me wants there to be ghosts or, or wants someone to accidentally run over Bigfoot with their car someday mm. to have my worldview utterly obliterated. I think would... I, I almost hunger for it. <laughs> but I, I don't think they're real. But we have movies. We have this imaginary world that we can explore them in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, Paranormal Activity, I think, is a fantastic example of yeah. footage. Yeah, it's and definitely that. All of the tropes the are there. Bookends. Yeah, all the tropes are there. Like like unknown cast that do a really good job with it. Uh, high concept, low budget. This was a largely crowdsourced film. They they mm-hmm. had a great petition to get it to play in multiple theaters. A lot of people were laughing them off. And it opened to big, big business. The rate of money spent 
against money made on movies like The Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity are epic. Hundreds. Epic. Hundreds of times the budget. So I don't think found footage films are going away anytime oh, no. soon. I think we got a selection of six good ones here, mm-hmm. and I think that Paranormal Activity is going to be high on the list for me. So that's, that's six found footage movies. Rocked them out, just like that. Yeah. Um, and it is now time for us to rank them. Is I know it's roll? a very arbitrary thing that you have to say, this is the least favorite, this is yeah. the best favorite. But I, I feel like I get a better chance of knowing your taste. Okay. For me, like I think these are all pretty decent movies. They're, they're, yeah, you were, not... you're, I agree when you said we've got a selection of six pretty good ones. Yeah. There aren't any huge stinkers in this list. Go team. So number six, Last Exorcism. All right. Um... Mostly by default, I just think the other ones are stronger examples. It's like there's nothing, there's no huge glaring problems with the movie. I think it achieves its goals, which you know, I, I, that's sort of to me. Even if I don't enjoy a film, if it if I feel like it's set out to do what it was trying to do fairly effectively, then I just sort of give it props and be like, yeah, it's a good movie, even if I didn't really like it that much. And this one does that. Um, some some really creepy moments. Um, I just feel like it had a little less to offer, and I thought about it a lot less, significantly less after the fact than I did some of the others. Uh, number five was the tunnel. The scares were more effective than Last Exorcism for me. There was fewer of them, but you know, quality over quantity is an adage that I adhere Believe to, it. I guess. <laughs> and again, it's lower on the list for me, I think, just because it. I feel like it has less going on than the others do. Right. Uh, it does a lot of things well, but it, there's also things that really took me out of it. Um, and it's sort—it's almost like half and half in terms of the things that took me out as, as there were effective things. Uh, Grave Encounters, I'd put it number four. Um, similar reasoning. There were there were some moments that like really had me shitting my pants. <laughs> that I was surprised how how much it was scaring me. Um, and it, for the most part, really believable. Uh, I love the performance by the lead guy, mm-hmm. in spite of your warning that you know. Does, There's a percentage of chachiness there, but yeah, it's deliberate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just stick with it. I I was not worried about that at all. I liked him from the first moment. I was like, yeah, I dig what this guy's doing. <laughs> um, and really, the the majority of the movie is dependent on him. So it was really important that they cast somebody strong in that role. I feel like it owed a lot to movies that had been made prior to it, uh, which is why I put it lower, I guess. Troll Hunter number three, I think the reason I enjoyed that one as much as I did was because, like I said, about movies achieving their goal, it's not really a scary film. It's suspenseful. It's engaging. uh, It's funny at times. It's odd, just like so weird that it exists. And really well made and convincing. It's not scary, but it's just so effective at what it seemed to be trying to do. Yeah. I got to give, give it props. It props. Yeah. Fair enough. I got to give it up for that one. Um, number two, Paranormal Activity. Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity 
Tough. Almost, I like I had trouble deciding which because I I think watching Paranormal Activity, I was way more terrified than I was watching Blair Witch. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that's mostly just a reflection of me, like what scares me more, uh, the idea of. Um, I remember reading about, I referenced The Strangers once already, I remember reading about prior to The Strangers coming out, the filmmaker said what he was attempting to do was capture that moment where you walk into your dark house and you hear a noise that you can't quite explain, but it makes you feel like you're not alone in the house. Then you realize you have to cross the room to turn on the light. Right. And it's inevitable. You're going to have to turn on the light to, <laughs> to deal with whatever's clearly in the house. So you have to that feeling where you cross the room yeah. before you know what's in there with you, he was going to try to make a film that as much as possible lived in that feeling. Right. And it just made me want to see the movie so bad. <laughs> and I think it's because that's the kind of scare that I key into most easily is not knowing what's in the dark with me yeah. or what could potentially be in the dark anywhere because you can't see, right? And your mind just gets going, you know, if you have an active imagination. Paranormal activity is that to a T, right? Yeah. Like, it's so about capitalizing on the fears of what is in the dark when you can't see it there. We just happen to be able to see it in the, mm, in the form time. that that movie's made. Um, Blair Witch capitalizes on the same fears, but just gives you less of it. Right. It's just a, a smaller serving, and because I favor quality or over quantity that's why i put it number one because right. it came first it you know basically created this genre um wrote its own rules in a way and then adhered perfectly to them right um the ballsiness of the ending at the time yeah for sure uh you know like i i just gotta like again i just have to give that top props because paranormal activity was only able to tell the story that it did because Blair Witch was made years earlier and yeah. was successful, and this guy realized how to use it uh, in some ways even more effectively. Yeah. Um, but we never would have made that movie if he hadn't seen Blair Witch. Very clearly. simple conceit. There's a tripod with a camera in the corner of the room. There's a lot of static, creepy shots. Mm -hmm. um, and in a way, that was made it an easier pill to swallow in that it's not as shaky camera as Blair Witch. Yeah. Uh, um, but the, the simplicity of the story and the strength of the story is still there. Mm -hmm. We have a very similar list, but unfortunately there's no prizes to be given oh, in this, shit. this episode. Um, I, I think there may be some level of controversy here, but I don't think we're going to be punching each other out over it. I think that, you know... Well, you're bigger than me, so that's good. <laughs> we're, we're more or less on the same page. These are strong, strong examples of found footage movies. Mm -hmm. um, well, there probably will be other episodes where we do found footage, but I guarantee you that I, I would be very surprised if I had another episode of six found footage movies where every film got a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. This is not a necessarily a typical batch of found footage movies. This is a good example of where it can. Most of them are bad. Like the only other good one that I can think of is Record. Wreck, yeah, yeah. I like, I'm a fan of the Wreck franchise. Yeah, I I do like the VHS movies too. Um, they yeah, that's they true. have I their moments. Seen that yet. Um, there, there, there are other ones, but you gotta look. You gotta dig. A mm -hmm. little bit. For me, I actually put Trollhunter at number six, and uh, 
I, I love the movie, and like it's one of the movies that I would enjoy showing people. Probably I would show to people before I showed a lot of other ones. It's just like because it's such a weird, bizarre movie. Yeah, that you, you kind of need to see it. I just dig that it exists. I'm ha- I'm very happy that it exists, <laughs> yeah. and I will show it to other people. It didn't scare me, and it is the most ridiculous <laughs> of all these movies. Yeah. I mean, none of these movies are necessarily real world, but <laughs> Troll Hunter is its its own thing. And uh, I say this: it ranks number six. I'm a big fan of the movie. Please watch the movie. Uh, number five, I put the tunnel. Uh, I, that was I, my number five as well. For for you know, I love the location, and I think that you know, it's a micro budget movie that did every more things right than they got wrong. Mm-hmm. Strong uh, actors, which I hadn't seen before. Um, uh, there's a sequel on its way, and I look forward to it. And I don't often the look search forward. for tangles. Yeah, I don't often look forward to, to sequels, and it's just as likely that it'll stink as that it won't. But I will check it out, mm-hmm. and I think that it's if you're probably... halfway curious about it, check out the tunnel. I suspect the sequel will be very much like the Descent Two mm. in terms of what they direct? focus on. Yeah. Well, you'll see the creatures right away, and it'll be much more about the creatures, that kind of thing. Well, only time will tell. Uh, the Descent scary. 2 was also featured in my episode, Terrible 2s, by mm. the way. <laughs> so you can see where I'm coming from. Uh, all the way at number four, I placed The Last Exorcism. It does have some story problems to it, mm-hmm. but for each of those story problems, there were a scene or a couple of scenes that I think worked my nerves quite effectively. Mm-hmm. I think Ashley Bell and that lead actor are both very strong and yeah. deserve to have career subsequence to this. I've seen him in one other thing. He did a couple episodes of the newsroom. Mm. He's the entertainment. He he's the entertainment reporter. He, he doesn't get much showtime, but he's uh, he, he has one scene where uh, he sort of tests Will in. A, they have a bit of a confrontation. That's there. weird because he's I, got I, he's a very small role. He's got like is a, he in the season, first season or second season? First, I'm pretty sure just the first season, maybe the second. But That's he, probably he's a background player. He's only had a few lines, but he's there okay. to get a job in the newsroom. Good for him. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, uh, so yes, number four, Last Exorcism. I think more works than doesn't. It's an imperfect film, but um, again, as an example of found footage, uh, it really works. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, ranking surprisingly high on this list, to my mind, Grave Encounters made it all the way to number three. But I can't overstate how well this those payoffs or those scares really work. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't get engaged by the sort of goofy humor of the first 40 minutes or so of the film, if that's not your cup of tea, if you don't find these people kind of charming, if a little smarmy, you'll still get the payoff of watching them be dealt horrible, horrible deaths <laughs> and some really good jump scares. And I've, I, like I say, I've watched so many horror movies. To have one that has actually three times in one movie where I actually jumped a bit yeah. in my seat, yeah. big, big points. Our number two and three are identical. Number yeah. two is Paranormal Act. For the same or, reasons? Or, or number two much. and one, pardon me. Pretty much the same reason. I think that the Blair Witch Project is number one because it established the genre, and I nothing will take away from me the experience, the first experience of watching Blair Witch, mm-hmm. and how cool and how, what a discovery that felt like to me, and that it was sort of ours for a while before it came out mm-hmm. in theaters, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's great because it was just a marketing conceit. I'm sure thousands of other people had that same experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but over and above that, there's great imagination to it. It preys upon this sort of societal uh, paranoia that if one day the lights went out and, or we were lost in the woods, that, you know, we're not survivor man. I'm not, I don't have the wherewithal to yeah. build a shelter and get a squirrel. You and don't know feed, which bugs to eat. Yeah, and feed myself and my family if, if the shit hit the fan. And I know it. 
Yeah. I know it. And being confronted with it is a, a really good conceit as well, over mm-hmm. and above the spooky witch. Mm-hmm. Which, for the record, for all the talk about Blair Witch, you we never, never see, see. Yeah. Not once, not ever. Yeah. And I believe there's no visage, there's no image that would match our imagination. So the smart move was not to try. Mm-hmm. Bravo to the It's Blair all Witch. implication. Even the last moment when you see uh, Michael facing the corner. Mm-hmm. You just see him facing the corner. You know, it's you bad have to news have... for her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but, uh, but again, if they had showed even a shadow yeah. of not the whoever's same. in the room with him... Not the same. That's not the same. Um, so going backwards to number two, I guess they went number fir- one first, but Paranormal Activity, I think, is the best modern example subsequent to the Blair Witch Project that I think got all of the things right in a found footage movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was obviously very cheaply done, cheaply executed, but... That's because you didn't need a budget to get to that primal place of alone and helpless in the dark. Mm-hmm. And we get there. I think if you can get past that Mika is a bit of an alpha male, uh, you can sort of see that as misguided as his attempts are, he does mean well. And he's not this undismissible Cooper prick that a lot of people want him to mm-hmm. be. Um, it's number two, but uh, it's very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I do enjoy the found footage genre, which is why I'm increasingly frustrated when I see more and more bad ones hitting the market. But um, I think that like slasher movies and like monster movies, it's just another one of those genres of horror that there's going to be more bad than good. But the really good ones make it worth sifting through for me. And the the majority (laughs) of people who are interested in making one, make one, I would think probably for the reasons that whoever made the tunnel they found like something that they were like, this will be intrinsically creepy. Yeah. That will be enough to hang a movie on. Yeah. And whatever that they are hanging it on maybe is intrinsically creepy. It just doesn't, their assertion that it was going to be, it was going to sustain a film was what was wrong. Yeah. That's all. And I just want to say one more time for the cheap seats. I know I put Trollhunter at number six. I think it's an awesome movie. It just, it kind of scared me the least. And it's sort of the most off shelf so, of all of these. This was, this was going to be my, I should have asked you this question. Right. Because we're doing found footage. Yeah. We're not doing found footage horror. Right. Right? Right. So I want, I that was the question I asked myself, mm. was I wonder if Larry will do his picks based on which ones were the, the scariest examples yeah. or which ones were Well, again, I would put films. this in the horror section before I would put it in the comedy section. Maybe fantasy? Well, found I don't footage know. comedies, like, yeah. what's the point, yeah. you know? There's um, an element of... Uh, faux documentary. I mean, Christopher Guest has made... The latter half of his career has been these, like... Yeah, you could argue that those are found footage movies. In a way. They're, do- they're faux documentaries. That's anyway. what I meant about how it sort of stands out as a, a faux documentary. Different. Yeah. Almost more so than found footage, but because I, found footage only really, only really should be made if it's if they're setting out to uh, scare you or unsettle you or do something that that type of movie is good at. You yeah. know, there'd be no point in making a found footage. I just don't want its placement drama. to suggest to people that it's like not a good movie, or not something worth checking out. Yeah. because it's definitely worth checking out. All of these are worth checking out. That's the bullet point of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy, so, what would my prize have been? I'm curious. Well, yeah, uh, I'll do it off off this. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for doing my show. By the way, oh, is there anything pleasure. you wanted to promote to the kids on the internet before I turn this? Off? I would just echo you that definitely check out Troll Hunter. <laughs> of all of these movies, even though I placed it uh, not Lower. at number one either. That's probably the one I'd recommend the most, just because <laughs> Blair Witch and Paranormal are probably the two that most people will have seen. Or that are the most like divisive. Movies. People who like them really like them. People that don't like them really don't. Yeah, so. yeah but Trollhunter would be the one I, I would ring most loudly. 
All right. Thanks so much, brother. And like that, found footage is behind us. Thank you for listening to Ranking Review. As always, your host and random Canadian would love to hear feedback from you. You can do that by writing me at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to help out the show, um, you can find us on iTunes. And if you give us a good review and, and write us a little review there, that helps more people to see the show. So, um... All the big Rank and Review fans out there, if you could do that, that would be great for me and for the show. Uh, Keep on listening, keep spreading the word, and thank you so much for supporting Rank and Review.